with a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George. Welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Yes, good morning. Of course, I'm your host, Nathan Gita. This is the After 9 we have on Fridays. We'll have the, the Friday edition. The Friday edition. Not there to you be go. confused with the non-Friday edition. Or the Monday edition. Or, or the non-Friday long weekend editions. Wait, that's, that's what it is today? It is. Ah, oh, boy. Hey, um, we have some sun out there for the do, long weekend. We do, we do. And our cheery it. panelists will help keep it nice and bright out there. And it'll be sparkling by the end of that. And, but if, and what is the long weekend coming up? Uh, family day. Family day. There you go. Which uh, kind of kind of Orwellian in uh, in its labeling, but we'll leave that for now. Uh, enjoy your long <laughs> okay. weekend. I never thought of it that way, but well, sure. I mean, it's like the Ministry of Public Safety and yes. does a very good job of not keeping us safe. Okay. But but we'll uh, we'll leave that kind of agitation for another time. Stuart Parker is not with me here this morning. It's uh, Red Fryer who. Uh, agitates fair just a little bit less than uh, than Stuart does on several different levels, but mm-hmm. we're we're running a little behind with our guest. Uh, she'll be here shortly, but uh, in the meantime, we can uh, jibber jabber about all sorts of things. So, yeah, well, actually, one thing that uh, people might be uh, interested in, uh, as, as those that uh, follow hockey, uh, the Prince George Spruce Kings are out of town this weekend, playing a uh, an away game and a home game. Away in a home while away? Yeah. Uh, they're actually playing in Kitimat. Two games against Langley. And it's uh, the uh, BCHL Roadshow is what they call it. And it's the Spruce Kings and some other team. They've done it this, I think this is the second year in a row they've done it. And uh, they go over to Kitimat. It's sponsored by LNG. I and, see. And uh, bringing BCHL hockey to Kitimat to entertain the local fans. So that's kind of a cool thing. Anyway, the games are tomorrow and Sunday. And we will have tomorrow's game on the air. Normally we have a Friday night game, but no such game tonight because they're uh, in travel. Mm-hmm. In transit, as it were. Yeah. Piping on down the highway there. Piping on down to Kitimat. Ah, boy. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, obviously we'll, we'll get into all of that with the panel later. There's been several... Uh, the whole piping thing. Yes, that thing. That yeah. thing. The metal tube and all of its debacle. But, uh, you know, in the erstwhile, something else that kind of comes up with uh, with the local stuff is, I mean, it's been rather warm lately. People are wondering if it's going to be an early spring or not. I don't know if we have our own groundhog around here somewhere. Well, the closest groundhog was, I think, in Alberta. And all the groundhogs said it was going to be an early spring. Oh, really? Now, that being said, having lived in Prince George my entire life, I'm well aware that uh, what we're getting right now uh, yeah, it's kind of an early spring, but we're going to get hit for sure with a couple of more storms where it'll pile up the snow and we'll go, ah, oh, I thought we were going to be in spring already. So we'll uh, keep our fingers crossed and hopefully this will last as long as possible. So there is our guest. We'll get uh, uh, Marvin to have a seat and uh, we'll start talking about uh, the subject at hand that we were going to discuss this morning. And that's... Uh, Part of something that's coming up in a couple of weeks' time down at the Civic Center, they're going to do Wellness North Expo, which happens uh, every year around this time. And Marvin's going to be putting on a a great, uh, um, I guess it's an educational discussion or, or, well, we'll let... uh, her tell you all about it so all right well that's just it i am joined uh by marvine late uh she of course is the director uh what am i the coordinator the coordinator we always have to be clear on those titles of the northern interior communities association and she's here to tell us how to get more 
gaming grants. That's correct, is it not? Hopefully more gaming grants. Hopefully more. Hopefully. Yes, absolutely. Good morning. Sorry I'm late. That's all right. These roads are treacherous. Like, it's just unreal out there. Yeah, no, it's been a bit slippery out there. It may be bright outside, but that's black ice. Look out. Absolutely. It's really crazy coming in here today. Um, Quite a number of cars, actually, on the hard highway out on the ditch. So I'm here from the Northern Interior Community Association, and I'm the coordinator and the facilitator for the Community Gaming Grant Workshops. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gaming Grant Workshops are designed for nonprofit organizations who have been in play for at least one year. So meaning one year they need to have a financial statement completed for that year. Mm-hmm. And the, the design of the community gaming grants is broke out into six sectors and they all have time and periods with them. And the six sectors are arts and culture. And then we go on to sport. And then we go on to PACs and DPACs. We have public safety, we have environment, and the largest one of all is human and social services. And these are all broken down into times, time areas where you can apply. Now please understand, the reason why Northern uh, Community Association is here is that we're here to assist in helping people do these applications. It's really important that people understand that these applications have criteria. Of course, they're mandated from the government. So there are things that we must do to be able to get the applications and get monies. So the greatest thing of all is that you need to do your uh, financial forms. The financial forms are on our site. Of course, at the workshop, I give you a whole kit. I give you a guide. I give you all the paperwork that you need and some of the understanding. And remember that just because you come to the workshop, it doesn't mean that you're going to remember everything because you know what? You probably won't remember everything. So that's why I'm there afterwards. Right. right. So take lots of notes and then come talk to Mm Marie. We're in the Native Friendship Center is where our office is on the second floor. And you come up in the elevator and right directly off the elevator into the front of our office at 214 1600 3rd Avenue. And um, our offices are open uh, from 10 in the morning to 430 in the afternoon. And I have a cell phone at 250-612-2031. Again, it's 250-612-2031. And remember that use a cell phone anytime. There's an office phone also at 562-2553. But of course, the cell phone, you can text. You can send me any of your documents. I can pick all that kind of stuff up off my... Thank goodness for modern networks, right? Mm -hmm. It makes our work that much easier. But it was a real pleasure for Wellness North Expo 2020 to invite me to have the workshop at the Civic Center. It's also uh, a nice thing that it can be on a Sunday because some people during the weeks, their days are too crowded to be able to come and do a workshop of that type. So we're going to have it on Sunday from 1 until 4 o'clock. And... um, then we also have others that are coming on. So go on to the uh, Northern Interior uh, website, which is uh, www.northern.n-o-r-t-h-e-r-n-i-c-a, all one word, dot org, and it will be you'll be able to see what workshops are coming up. We have a couple in March. Um, and then we have one booked already for April. Usually the month of May and June, I go on the road. So my area covers, it's scary, from Prince Rupert right all the way across to McBride, up to Chetwin, and all the way down to Lytton. Good Lord. And then, yeah. <laughs> and the things and all the communities in between there. Mm-hmm. But it's marvelous to be able to get into the community because. 
Our government believes that the foundation of our province is our volunteer people. Mm. We make about 33, I believe it's $33.8 billion last year in volunteer hours. Wow. I mean, imagine if we didn't have all those volunteers working for our communities to make them healthy. So that's where um, the government believes, and that's why I'm out there on behalf of uh, Northern Interior Community Association and the support, of course, of uh, Ministry of Gaming to assist with uh, getting the information out into the communities. Now, if you have, um, and in your organization, you have an hour or something that you'd like me to come and talk to your organization about gaming and what you need to do and how you fill the application off and out and so on, again, get a hold of me on my cell phone at 250-612-2031. Remember, it's about you. It's not about me. And I try as much as I possibly can to assist where I can in getting that information and understanding out there for, mm-hmm. for the people in their organization. The biggest thing to remember is you must be in place one year. You must be a nonprofit organization in place for one year. And, and one of the things that's important, I think, as well, is to remember that the entire reason there is any gambling in uh, the province of British Columbia whatsoever is to help with community groups. That was the reason it was taken from being prohibited to being allowed. Absolutely. Uh, and some people who are old enough, and that's not trying to single anybody <laughs> out, but people who are old enough uh, to recall the uh, dingy halls of the, uh, the, the Legion and church halls and bingos and uh, all that sort of stuff, uh, if you find the right generation, they'll be able to tell you about how there used to be bingos and all that sort of stuff at all these places. Uh, places of worship, even, that had uh, that had gambling. And then one day, somebody decided to centralize all that and sell it to the highest bidder and mm-hmm. allow them to print money. And we'll just let, we'll leave that aside. We won't make any political comment about that here. But nonetheless, now we still have the community gaming grants, and that was entirely designed to do this, to, mm-hmm. to help communities and to redistribute this uh, somewhat... Uh, Merkily gotten wealth and, and give it to the right people. The other thing, too, that you need to understand is that gaming money is not just used only for um, organizations like ours. It helps back pay a lot of the things that we receive in our community. A lot of people say, oh, well, I can't take, I couldn't take that because it's gambling money. You need to understand, you know, money comes from to all different areas in the province, like your ambulance service, your roads, you know, they all get some of that pot because it's a fairly large pot. Mm-hmm. But we are lucky in the community gaming to get $140 million of this a year, which is not a lot when you spread it out over all those uh, organizations. Uh, they figured they service about 5,000 organizations a year and always want more, always want more. But the thing is, we need to understand the money is spread out all over. So it's not really... It's gone from, it's gambling money, but it isn't. But you know the thing you forgot about all those old day places? Mm. The smoke. Yes, yes. You People forgot are telling the me smoke. about that. Huh? I remember going and doing it for girl guys and going, oh my God. And I smoked in those days. Eh? And I'm thinking, this is just a smoke hole. Eh? Mm. Yeah. Cigarette in their mouth and all these cards flipping through, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, please remember that. It's very important that you understand the application, and that's why it's really good to come to the workshop. It's recommended by the government that you come to a workshop at least every other year. So there was a major change of things last year. There's going to be more major changes this year. It's The guide has come up, is up on our site now, on the government site already, and uh, it's gaming.gov.bc.ca. And um, there is a new 
guide there, but it's not a lot of changes in it. What they've done is that they've made it easier. They've taken it from a lawyer's office to an ordinary person's home and helped the wording to understand what the wording is about. Okay, because lots of times they have words in it that lots of people wouldn't even understand. You'd have to get a dictionary. Mm -hmm. And this is what they've done, and they've done a beautiful job. Myself as a past teacher for lots of years, they've done a very beautiful job for the understanding of most people to be able to understand it. Mm-hmm. So it's not, we're trying, they're trying to take the fear out of this too. Is you know, a lot of people are very uncomfortable doing a government application. This is not what they want. They want everybody to feel that they're able to access it. No, of course. And I mean, that's exactly what it is. It is community mm-hmm. money mm-hmm. Uh, and, and revenue that's supposed to be spread out to the community. Uh, one of the things that's, uh, I think, always interesting for our, our listeners to hear is even just where some of the stuff goes. You know, you had mentioned some of it, but uh, something that I didn't know was was an uh, organization that had access to these grants, for example, is Crime Stoppers. Oh, absolutely. Right? Oh, and, yes. and so, you know, and we mm-hmm. won't get all into mm-hmm. all of the details of that, but the point that I'm trying to make is that, like, even something like law enforcement, to a point, or rather yeah. crime prevention Assist- anyways. And crime, exactly, yeah. exactly, is something that has access to these mm-hmm. funds, and that's important because, again, it's something people really value, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Knights of Columbus, that's, all, of course, another charity Royal organization. Purple. Royal, Royal Purple, Purple the, the Legions. Uh, not only that, too, is there's a lot of organizations like the Prince George Horse Therapeutic Society. That's for for people who need who have disabilities that go and have therapeutic work with a horse. I mean, it's huge pieces that are spread out. Your all your exhibitions, your fairs, yeah. your air show, anything anything that happens yearly. Mm-hmm. It can happen once a year, but yearly. It's also there. Uh, Wishbone Theater out in, way out in uh, Belmont and McBride area, out in there, they have it each year. Um, music festivals, they get money. It's a very widespread. Now, you can go on the gaming site and see the whole list of every single cent that was given out last year. That's right. No, it is a completely transparent Absolute, thing. Yeah, and that's very, very important very much for so. people to know. And I really like that part because yes. I like the part of the transparency of it. Because then I can go down the list and say, oh, hey, I haven't gone and seen those people. I want, I haven't talked to those people. Maybe they, I can help in some way. But the other thing is they've taken from that $140 million, $5 million. Okay. And what they have done is they've put it in a pot for, and it's called Capital Project Grants. Yes. So, um, an example, I hope uh, he doesn't mind me using, is like the Greek Orthodox Church wants to put in an elevator on the side of their church so that it's fully dis, uh, uh, able to be used by people with disabilities. Yes. So they applied through the Capital Project Grant. The only difference is with the Capital Project Grant is you need half the money you're asking for. Of course. So if you need $150,000, you need to have $75,000 up front in some form, okay? Letters from the com- the from the city, all those types of things are ways of dollars, but they have to be guaranteed that they're coming they through. They have to be underwritten, yeah. So that's the difference, and that is from June the 1st to July 31st. It's a very small period of time that you can apply for, but you have a whole year to prepare for it, and it's adjudicated. It's a team of people that come in and look at all of them at once and decide which are the ones that they will give money to. 
Absolutely. And that's really, really broadly done. Like there was, there's in likely there was a hall that had that they only needed twenty thousand dollars. That kind of thing, you know. They had ten, so they gave them the other ten. Other projects are large, like the elevator that they're putting in, or even larger, up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, no, that's not small. No, it's not a small, and it's a huge project. The only thing is that your expectation is to have it finished within a three-year period it must be all the phases must be completed within a three-year period and and that's that's actually uh mm-hmm. that, that's normal too yeah. uh if you know anyone who's unfamiliar with with say building permits and industrial law and all that mm-hmm. stuff it, that's mm-hmm. a normal time frame for things to be and done. you don't want anything to get too dusty on the back burner right? no exactly exactly an unfinished <laughs> project is not it's not a helpful project and not only that too is with volunteer any organization with volunteers it completely changes all the time so that makes it even more difficult so remember the capital project grant is half and half mm-hmm. the difference between the community gaming grant is that if you keep good lists of all your volunteer hours every single hour your volunteer puts in on your organization is worth twenty dollars that's right now imagine twenty dollars every time you're going to do something for your organization, but you got to keep a list of it. You've got to keep a list of all the hours, and that is part of your revenue and expense that you will send in. And that's just like asking dollars. You may have a very small bank account, but you have a very huge volunteer load. Mm-hmm. You can get money from the government. A lot of people think, oh, we don't have hardly any money. Well, no, that's not the important thing. You have money because you have good volunteer. Mm-hmm. And like myself from the Royal Purple, that's my volunteer organization that I work with. We put thousands and thousands of hours in a year um, doing catering and bazaars and fundraising. We just gave $7,000 to Hope Air, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, gets 128 flights for some people. You know, I mean, it's amazing. Your dollars doing dollars making good over good over good, right? That's right. So understand that when you have a good listing of all these hours, you add that on to your financial documents and it means money. Remember, $20 an hour. So sometimes volunteers think, oh, well, I've got no value. That's no true at all. No. Not only do they have a dollar value now of $20, but they also have a very great value to their community. Absolutely. Well, we'll just have to close out there. Um, I was hoping that you could just give us one more time your contact information and when the uh, workshop is. The wa- workshop is on March the 1st. It's at the si- Sunday, March the 1st at the Civic Center upstairs, okay? I'll be using one of the rooms upstairs. And please give me a phone call at 250-612-2031 or at coordinator at northernica.org and register. And um, if, you know, like all of a sudden on Sunday you're able to come, don't hesitate to send, give me a phone call, and then I'll know to bring a package for you in the morning, okay, or in the afternoon. So it's at 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock, so everybody can sleep in a bit on their day off, okay? And um, then we'll work through that, and then any backup we'll need afterwards, we'll make one-on-one appointments for anybody that needs added assistance after that. So again, at the Civic Center, upstairs from 1 to 4. On March the 1st. On March. Oh, I forgot that, right? No, on no March the 1st. Well, Come and join us. Thank you so much Thank for you joining also. us. Thank all you. Right. And I apologize for being late. It's not a problem at all. Take we'll care. take our break and we'll be back with the panel. Thank you for tuning in and staying tuned to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. 
Yes, and we're back with the panel portion that we have here on Fridays. Of course, I'm joined by Herb Martin, Bill Phillips, Art Bet Key, to be clear, and uh, Eric Allen. We'll uh, start with some of the local stuff and work our way outwards uh, today, just because of some of the pressing things we've had nationally. There's been uh, some agitation over a certain uh, piece of metal being built out west. Uh, for hot takes on that, we'll start with Herb. Herb. Uh, yeah, where to start? Uh I went to a presentation at uh, UNBC yesterday. Um, there were some people there from the uh, Unistoten um, um, camp. Um, they put on a couple of, uh, they've got a couple of uh, YouTube videos. One's called Resistance, and I've got another one, I've forgotten the name of it, but uh, you can do a search on it. It's quite interesting, but the bottom line is they think that uh, um, the Wet'suwet'en area is a sovereign nation, and um, uh, has no um, uh, no no evident ties uh, to Canada and should not be observing any Canadian laws. Hmm. And I think um, I think they should uh, get a wake up call. I think uh, we've got a, a CN uh, constable in Prince George who's pretty good about arresting anyone who goes near tracks. Hmm. And um, he could take a little trip out there and um, yeah, dial I, I know in. that guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, uh, it's brave fellow. It's still never, it, you know, it'll never cease to amaze me that our that that uh, in our panel, it's it's Eric who's been uh, in favor of what what's it doing, and Herb who's been against it. It's, uh, miracles will never cease to abound. Uh, Bill, I mean, there's this piece of tube, uh, this piece of metal. It's being welded together, supposedly heading that way, um, and it's stopped in its tracks right now, at least for a little while. What's going to happen? Well, uh, they've, the RCMP have actually cleared the blockade and work is beginning back on the pipeline. Um, so the things are pr progressing out there until there's another blockade, I imagine. Um, but it's interesting, and, and uh, uh, what Herb was talking about, and, and I covered this probably 20, 25 years ago when I covered the Sokoten national government. They were, for a long, long time, had the same philosophy. And they would come out and they would say, we don't want to talk to the premier, we don't want to talk to the prime minister, we want an audience with the queen. Because they believed that they were a sovereign nation unto themselves. And they did eventually get a wake-up call and they realized that that wasn't getting them anywhere. Hmm. And so, and now the, now the Sokotin is actually a little more progressive and they've, had, they've won some court cases because they're, they're become a little more reasonable. And I think that's what needs to happen with the wetsuit. And, and, and we've talked about this before, and, and I think Herb, you mentioned it, is that they have to really, the, the core of the issue is they have to determine who speaks for them. Mm. You know, there's, there's five hereditary chiefs that are opposing this, but there's 13 hereditary chiefs overall, plus there's the elected band council. So you have, there's, there's a very big schism in, in there, and that needs to be resolved. And uh, uh, I'll quote... Uh, Chief Joe Alphonse from the Silco team too, when he talked about this, one of the things he said is that people that are protesting, when you protest this, you're ensuring that the Wet'suwet'en remain divided. Hmm. It's an interesting comment from him, so. No, certainly. Uh, Art, I mean, there's been uh, some agitation, not just out west, but throughout uh, the Queen's Dominion of Canada. Uh, in solidarity with what's happened, um, is, are people bandwagoning? Are people kind of getting their grievances out all at once, or is there something to all this? Yeah, there's some people who always protest anything that happens uh, in in our system, and uh, always anytime there's a Aboriginal protest, they jump on that bandwagon for sure. And the thing that gets me, the people in Prince George or Vancouver or Victoria who 
go to these protests and blockades and say they're in support of the Wet'suwet'en people don't even realize that most of the people are in favor of the pipeline. They want the benefits. They want the jobs. They want the development. Um, they want the futures for their families. So these people go to the protests and then when they're done, they go home to their houses situated on unceded territory, heated by gas that comes through unceded territory and they can't see the disconnect between that and what they've been doing. They need a wake-up call too. Hmm. Eric, uh, having heard about a constable that could be dispatched to take care of this rather briefly, which doesn't exactly sound like Dudley Do-Right, if only because he won't be wearing red serge, um, what exactly are we supposed to do about all this, and where, where do you stand on this issue? Well, <clears throat> it's a serious problem, there's no doubt about it. And when you're talking about unceded territory, in this case with the Wet'suwet'en, is 22,000 square kilometers, which is unceded, so you've got to ask yourself the question, Unseated to who? Like, how did we get to the position where we even refer to it as unseated? Obviously, there's a case to be made that this is unseated territory. So that means that it's basically territory that was owned. You can use the phrase owned by the, the Queen or by Britain or something. There are all kinds of agreements across Canada where territory was ceded to the Canadian government. Never happened in British Columbia. That territory is unseated, which means it's still belongs to the natives until they come to some sort of accommodation. We can argue about it all we want, but you know, if you want to get into international law and see what happens with property, generally if one country takes over property from another country, it's usually through an act of war or something, and then afterwards they sit down and decide who owns what, where, and for how long, and whatever. <clears throat> That's never happened either, so it's, it's a very unusual situation. And I think when we get to the rail part of it, the, like the CN is the third, or CNCP is the third largest police force in Canada, after the RCMP and some of the provincial police. Um, I worked the CN for 25 or some odd years, and you know a number of other people I know worked longer. We've never seen a situation where the railway sort of was in a situation like this and sat on their hands. Mm. There's something going on there. I mean, normally the railway would be raising hell with the government and would have their own police out there, and they'd clear that track because it was, it was no question that they owned it. But I think what they're looking at is the long term, and you can't have these things going on every year. And I mean, the Port of Prince Rupert will die if that keeps up. But I think they're just saying, we're shutting down the railway until the government deals with this. Mm. And I think that's what's going to happen. Trudeau will have to get his work done over in Africa or wherever he is. He's already sending out some people to talk to some of the uh, rail people and solve this problem. You know, 40% of the workforce in the ports of Prince Rupert are native people. They're losing their jobs too because of this. But we need a long-term solution. Uh, the problem that I have with it, which is nothing I can do about it, is that once you, you get that ceded or unceded territory, it becomes with Suetan territory, they want local government, local autonomy, and local laws. So it's a country within a country, and I don't know how that would work. Yeah, no. I mean, it seems to work for Italy, which has no less than two or three countries in its country. But yeah. we'll take a quick break right there, and we'll come back with more of the panel. This is After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. 
Yes, of course, we're back with the panel portion. Given what's going on out west, we will continue with that. One of the points that were brought up in the break is, of course, that law has a lot to do with what's going on here, including court cases, particularly Delgamuk, uh, which happened in the mid-90s, I believe. Uh, but but something that people all forget, talking of the Queen that Bill mentioned earlier, an audience with the Queen, uh, it, one of the intolerable acts of George III, which led to the American Rebellion and Revolutionary War, was was giving Aboriginals a piece of land. They gave them Ohio, the Ohio Valley, uh, and left a, a huge chunk of land for reservation that was before the Revolutionary War. So, I mean, compromise with First Nations coming from the Crown go back all the way to 1763. It's been... There's a long-standing practice of this. What what do you think about that, Herb? Well, uh, look, uh, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of negotiation going on, but you know, there's the Delgamuk uh, ruling is uh, pretty much uh, an iron iron fist in a velvet glove. It it basically has a clause saying that uh, the provincial and federal governments have the right to infringe on Aboriginal uh, rights. In the name of um, uh, progress, quite frankly. Hmm. So uh, everyone who points to that decision as somehow enshrining uh, native uh, rights as uh, sacrosanct is uh, sorely mistaken. Yeah, yeah, and of course, section twenty-five and thirty-five of the charter are not without a serious amendment in times, at least. Bill, uh, I mean, the people are still trying to see whether or not there's a way out of this peacefully. Um, is there a way out of this peacefully? Absolutely, there always is. Uh, but the, that road requires dialogue and requires compromise and it, requir it requires negotiation. Um, just going back to what you mentioned there a little while ago, 1763, the Royal Proclamation, that, of course, was worded, like most proclamations, rather ambiguously. And uh, depending on how you read it, because I read it a million times when I was dealing with the Silco team, and to try to get the meaning of it. And it essentially says, uh, from the Great Divide to the, to the ocean is either all for Indigenous people or not. You can read it either way. And that's that's the whole thing, because that's part of the where it, where it goes right back to, especially for British Columbia, about who owns the land and whether it's unseated. And, mm -hmm. it, go, and it does go back to the, that royal proclamation, which, like I say, is ambiguous. Mm. Well, George III was German, so yeah. maybe his English wasn't <laughs> that good. Um, Art, you know, uh, people people are always trying to weigh various pieces of paper, legislation, historical precedent in order to get things their way. What do you think it's going to come down to uh, with everything going on out west? I think we'll come to an accommodation eventually. Um, what happens is we, we will have to acknowledge the reality of today. Uh, this is not something we can undo. Uh, the people uh, like myself who are here, we're not going away. So uh, we're going to have to come to some kind of agreement, some kind of um, accommodation, some kind of way of living together that benefits everybody. And at the moment, I think putting that pipeline through actually does benefit everybody. So I don't know why the disagreement is there in the first place. Um, we will get along and we'll get it settled somehow, but it might take some time because there are some very stubborn people out there. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Well, Eric, um, are you going to wave a magical wand and fix this all for us, or what do you think is going to happen there? Well, like I said before, there's, you know, there's a couple issues there. One of them is who really speaks for the uh, First Nations people. Is it the uh, 
the hereditary uh, chiefs? Hereditary chiefs, or is it the uh, elected, elected chiefs? So they have to resolve that. Maybe it's to be a combination of both or something. Neither one of them is a perfect system, but maybe the two together would be a better system. So that's that's one part of it. The other part of it is, if you go back in the history, and I don't read too much of it, but some of it, when the white people came to this country, they never would have survived without the natives. They kept them alive, showed them what to eat, led them through the bush with a rope so they wouldn't get lost where they were going and everything. And uh, so, you know, it's not like we just showed up and everything was hunky-dory. Without the assistance of the First Nations, we probably wouldn't be able to stay here. So somebody wrote a book. I'm just in the process of reading it now. But the, the interesting thing was she kind of referenced it to, like, somebody invites, you invite somebody into your house to live. And then they come in and they bring their wife and the kids. And then they bring their brothers and sisters. And then they bring their aunts and uncles. And pretty soon, there's no room in your house for you and the people that you invited in to help out uh, turned around and said, well, you better get out of here. There's not enough room in here for my relatives. And so they kick you out of your house and you have to go live in the bush or something or on a reserve or whatever. And that's basically the way they see what happened. It was our house, we invited you in, and now you're kicking us out of it. So, you know, there's, there's a lot to be resolved and I think we have to be open-minded and be prepared to look at things a different way, which for somebody like me, you know, I'm pretty set in my ways. It's it's pretty hard to look at it differently and change your mind. But you might have to. And so I look at it this way. It doesn't matter to me if the big corporations or native corporation is falling trees and, and uh, selling lumber to the U.S. to build houses. All I get out of it is a job. That's all I ever get out of it for 40 years or something. That's not going to change. The owner of the... Uh, trees or the, or the minerals or whatever doesn't impact my life. It doesn't matter who owns them. So at the end of the day, the people sitting at the table is going to be government, First Nations, and corporations. And the, the everyday Joe taxpayer is going to pick up the tab. Well, fair enough. We'll switch gears here slightly uh, and just come back to what's going on federally when it comes to the conservative leadership. Um, we would normally go to a break there, but we have... Uh, lost our producer briefly that's all right that's okay uh we'll uh you know i won't go all rush limbaugh on you because i don't have the presidential medal of freedom but uh uh the federal conservative leadership has continued i'll bring one in for you next week. oh yeah. thank you thank you you can award it to me right here actually you could get your wife to award it to me yeah, there you go. but uh we'll 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 swing around here to the conservative leadership thing so basically um Basically, we still have uh, we still have a few contenders, big names. Uh, a certain big name will not be showing up, and that's John Baird. For uh, for reads on that, we'll go to Herb Martin. Herb, why isn't John Baird running for leadership? Uh, probably, uh, from what I've heard, is he enjoys his private life uh, more, and um, yeah, it just sort of seems like the conservative leadership is not something very many people want to go after. No, it's uh, it's it's looking. Uh, they're, they're, look, the conservatives look like they're they're in quite some disarray, actually. Yeah, they're kind of confused. Yeah, shocked and confused, dazed and confused. Bill, uh, are the conservatives ever going to get out of the jungle and get back on the highway here, or what's going to happen? Well, um, they're they're like uh, a lot of other people we've been talking about. They have to figure out who they are first. So, so yeah, John Baird. He's why he doesn't get in. He's probably because he's smart. That's probably. <laughs> 
Yeah, make a I, note of that. Smart guy. Yeah, smart guy. <laughs> Avoided crossing the street. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. They they have to. It, it's I mentioned this a little while ago when the uh, you know a month ago the conservative race looked like it was going to be a thriller. Now it's like a Hallmark movie. It's pretty predictable and uh, and uh, you know what the end's going to be and it's not going to excite anybody that's pretty damning hallmark movies man <laughs> hallmark movies are literally the worst thing on this planet um uh you know art it, it we have a few things going on here um can we can the conservative party figure out what it is is it the party of faith firearms family and farms or what is it uh we don't really know now they they seem to have figured that out uh, when they uh, unified with the uh, the two uh, what was it uh, Progressive Conservatives and the what was it the Alliance? Yeah, the Alliance and the Reform. Yeah, and, and they formed the new modern Conservative Party, and they seem to have it all figured out. But since they lost the election, they don't know what they're doing. They should have stuck to their guns and continued on. But uh, now they're trying to reinvent themselves. And uh, the other thing, uh, they seem to have made the uh, leadership contest extremely um, difficult to get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, Unless you're Rick Peterson, in which case you'll yeah. run for anything. Yeah. The, the, the last time they had it, how many, there 17 candidates or something like that. It was too many, so they decided to make it a little tougher. And now they made it too tough. So they don't know what they're doing at the moment. They, they need to get their act together. Yeah. Now they got Schweppes and Canada Dry running against each other. Um, hey, Eric, uh, you're over there. You've always got things to say about this stuff. Um you know, uh, Art said something that might have been a triggering phrase there for a couple of staffers in Ottawa, even if they are Tories, which is sticking to their guns. It's hard to know what the uh, conserve identity is. Do you have an identity for them to cleave to, Eric? Well, you know, I, I think the Conservative Party's doing fine. I think they're on track. Uh, I just don't understand why those three major people like Ambrose and that dropped out of the party. But I also don't see anybody asking him. Why, why you did that? Why did you drop out? Uh, was the pressure on from the party itself? Was it the cost of running? Or is, is the, the threat out there that the support for most of the party, the inner support, is going to go to uh, our boy from Newfoundland, you know, or Labrador, or wherever the hell he's from? He's, I uh, believe it's Nova Scotia. Nova but, Scotia. Uh, yeah, so Maritimers will forgive yeah, you. That's okay, but I mean, no, I and I support the other him. Side of Quebec, so yeah, 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 they're at lunch right now. They can't hear him. I support him as as trying for the leadership, and I think in a lot of ways he's earned it. But you got to go back in the history of the CPC and and the alliance between him and Harper and the twenty thirty years that they've gone through. So there may be, you know, some people might be saying, "Well, it's McKay's turn. He mm. earned it." Where these other people are a walk-on, and oh yeah, well, vote for me because I walked on the stage. So, and Baird, I, I, he never impressed me anyway. So, yeah. the fact that he doesn't run is a good thing. He's kind of a big lummox, is the way I a see it. Lummox. There's yeah. a word I haven't heard in a while. That and malarkey. <laughs> but uh, we'll take a quick break there, and we'll be right back. You're listening to After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Yes, we're back with the panel. I'm sorry for the cadence of our breaks, but don't worry, we'll still win the Super Bowl. Uh, We'll go down to where the Super Bowl always happens and the world champions of it every year, the Americans. Uh, The U.S. government is having a competition right now. Well, not the U.S. government. The U.S. public, through its political system, is having a competition right now to see who will be the next Democratic uh, presidential contender 
Um, and we don't know who that's going to be, but we're going to ask Herb, and Herb's going to tell us. Herb, what's going on? Uh, well, they're, they're fighting it out in the trenches. Uh, Bernie Sanders actually seems to be um, leading at the moment. However, looming over everyone is um, uh, uh, Mike... Um, uh, Bloomberg. 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 Yeah. Good old Bloomberg. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's, that could be a very interesting um, uh, development. I mean, he's got, I think he's spent all, over $300 million already on advertising. And he's willing to spend a billion. Ah. So that's... Uh, he's got 60 of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just walking around money. Ah, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, well, I mean, it, it could be Bloomberg. Uh, another New York billionaire um, that could also play against him. What do you think, Art? Yeah, they can't criticize Trump for buying the election anymore with Bloomberg in the race like that. He, I heard he's spending a billion dollars a day, or a, rather a million dollars a day, just on YouTube ads. So, yeah, money just flows through his fingers like water. Uh, he, he's, uh, he's looming on the horizon for sure. Sanders is in the lead at the moment. But a lot of the party brass doesn't like him. Um, I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty for good reason. Uh, Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, who used to lead the pack just short months ago, they, uh, they're gone. They're finished. They're not coming back. Uh, Amy was a close to bar. Uh, she's rising, taking their votes. So it's going to be interesting what happens. Some people have even said they see... Hillary Clinton waiting in the wings for a brokered convention, but I think with Bloomberg coming on like that, she won't. Uh, other than that, she may have. Hard to say. Interesting times. Interesting times. Eric, uh, again, you've never been the biggest fan of the Orange Man in the Oval Office. Uh, that being said, uh, his competition looks a little bit disorganized, to put it politely. Uh, are they going to be able to give him a run for his money in November? I don't know. You got to kind of watch and get into these types of things. You know, things start happening. I could see Trump if it was a horse race, he would be standing up and yelling, "Come on, Bernie! Come on!" Bernie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He wants Bernie to win because that's the easiest guy to beat. <clears throat> he didn't want Biden to win. He got a few things going on Biden. I don't know if it affected Biden's race, but this steam, steam kind of went out of him there for a while. So we'll see how he does in Nevada and, and South Carolina, but and no offense to Biden, he he's not he is not a spring chicken, and I'm not throwing no, anybody over. No, that. I'm not being ageist at all. He's he is not a spring chicken. No. <laughs> so he might have uh, just got out of it. He had different reasons for going in. No, for sure. And uh, so Bloomberg, I I can see him. I, I would have seen him as an okay second, maybe, but I wanted to see Biden first. But maybe just maybe be Bloomberg. Mm-hmm. From a money point of view, he's a good guy to run against Trump. But, but like you said, it's another billionaire there. It'll be, it'll be what it'll be. Um, we've we've concluded the impeachment hearings. We had the Iowa caucus, which was just a, that it was literally a clown car going to a circus that didn't exist in a, somebody's mind who was clearly on something. It just didn't work out. Uh, that was a great analogy, by the way. I'm telling that to myself. But the thing is that uh, <laughs> it, 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 we, we have seen a lot of chaos from the uh, land of the free and the home of the brave. Is this, is this ever going to get back on track, Kurt? Oh, look, I think Iowa was uh, like some, fault, some faulty software. I mean, New Hampshire, I think, was pretty well run. Um, yeah, I think it'll get back on track. I think there's a lot of people... Look, there's a lot of people scared by Trump right now. Uh, 
Trump uh, coming out and um, uh, tweeting about uh, 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 the um, uh, prison sentence for his uh, accomplice, uh, uh, Roger Stone. Roger, Roger Stone. Stone. Good old yeah. Stone. Yeah. So uh, you know, and then and so the 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 uh, head the head um, guy on the case resigned. Uh, I think yesterday or the day before. Um, Trump's pretty unabashed. No. Yeah, that would be about the sum of it. Yeah, and I think I think people are looking for an alternative. No, for sure. But the question is, can they put that alternative together? Art. Oh, they'll have somebody there eventually. Yeah, um, they're not going about it very well, but uh, they'll they'll get their ducks in a row in time for the election. Yep. Um, Trump himself is at the height of his popularity. He benefited greatly from that impeachment circus. So, uh, yeah, he, he's uh, in a lot better shape uh, for the election than I thought he would be. I, I thought he'd be way down by now. But uh, no, he's he's doing very well. So, again, interesting times. Well, and uh, Eric, we'll let you close us off here before we go to the break and come back with Family Day and Valentine's Day. Thanks, Reg. Uh, anyways, uh, Eric, uh, you know, 2020, we're there, and November is coming. We're in February right now. Uh, it, it's, you know, a few short months away. What What is going to happen? Can, can anybody really put their socks together and give Trump a, a run for his money? Well... I don't know, but it's going to have to be Biden or Bloomberg to get the job done, I think. And, uh, you know, you got Trump and the 65 dwarfs that support him. Uh, you don't want, I mean, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into the, the Democratic uh, Convention. Then we're going to get into the election. Like we're looking at another two years of this or something. It just gives you a headache. Mm -hmm. All we ever hear about is, is American politics and What's going on? And oh God, it drives you crazy. And then when that's not happening, it's Canadian politics. Then it's provincial and federal. And I don't know when they get around to work. There's 400 pieces of legislation sitting in the that the Democrats put forward this year, and McConnell's sitting on them. He hasn't put hardly any of it through. I mean, what are they there for? Yeah. No, I believe it was. Uh I remember it might have been Jamie Foxx who said the only good place to get a job and not do your job is Congress. Uh, but we'll leave it there and we'll come back after the break. Keeping you up to date on current news and events in and around Prince George. This is After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Well, we're going to do a brief firing line here with the panel. We, of course, lost Bill to uh, something. I'm not really sure what, but he's uh, been raptured away. Uh, we're going to go into Valentine's Day and Family Day uh, very briefly. I'm not even going to try and set that up. I'm just going to let him go at it. Herb, Valentine's Day and Family Day. Well, I'm going to put a bit of a sobering um, uh, effect on this uh, pronouncement. I had a sad occasion to attend the funeral of a 16-year-old girl who took her own life last uh, week. And I'd just like to um, remind everyone that uh, suicide is the leading cause of death for children between 12 and 20. So, if you can hug your close ones, please do. Mm -hmm. And uh, extend the uh, feelings of this holiday to uh, those who need it most. <laughs> Art, uh, Family Day is coming. We have a long weekend now in February. It has been synced to Alberta's. Uh, any thoughts? 
Well, I think it was smart to sink it to Alberta's. Um, but as far as the day itself, I don't think it should be called Family Day. It should be called Buying Your Vote Day. Uh, this is what the government uh, enacted in order to have your uh, employer pay for a day off for you. Uh, as a former self-employed person and an employer, I was totally against that. And uh, later on, as an employee, at the end of my career, I didn't want it either. I would just as soon have worked. So, uh, yeah, I'm really down on that day. And as far as Valentine's Day, I don't recognize it either. So I'm, I'm a really on a downer because I don't feel I should be obligated to show any affection. Uh, and uh, besides which, it's uh, some ancient um, ritual that had nothing to do with our society was adopted by the church many years, centuries later to try and take over a pagan festival of some kind. And uh, All right, all right, Art. Christmas yeah, is over. Yeah. We've, we've all heard that story before. Uh, Eric, I'll give you the last word here. Well, <clears throat> I was going to send some flowers to somebody and uh, down on the island. That, so I'm, I'm looking at the uh, Parksville flower shops. And they get these 1-800 numbers where, you know, and some of them say California or whatever. So For ordering flowers? Yeah, so you order it. You get somebody in the U.S. that takes the order, <laughs> and then they get somebody in Parksville to deliver it. So I said, I'm not supporting this type of thing. I mean, I just wanted to phone the local florist and say, here's some business for you. You can make a delivery with the flowers, but you got to go through this rigmarole. So I kiboshed that. I'll send an email or something with one of those little hearts on it there you that'll, go that'll have to do for this year so no, that's unfortunate but well the, the holidays themselves is that it that's it okay. i'm sorry to cut you off there but we are at time uh, thank you so much for listening and uh, we'll be back again next week